Hi everyone, welcome back to Two Twins and a Mic. It's season two, episode six. So um, I guess it'll be more or less me today talking on the podcast. Eli is away, um, but I do have a guest who's joining me. It's my wife, Amani. So she was here in the last podcast. And I guess we're going to be talking about um, an interesting conversation point that we had recently, which is how you know, society tends to kind of repackage and repurpose certain, um, I guess, beliefs, behaviors, ideas or concepts so that they're more fitting for the, um, the modern context. Um, but before we go ahead, I'm just going to have Amani introduce herself again and say hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Sam's wife. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast again. Um, we had a good chat last time, so good to be back and share some ideas and get the ball rolling. So, yeah. So I guess just to start off, we could, um, I guess it'd be good to give an example. And so what I mean is we were recently at a dinner with a group of friends and we were talking about, you know, various topics, but mostly to deal with like society's wokeness and how they've, um, you know, they, they're showing that they're more open-minded and liberal about certain things but i guess for me personally and i'll let amani um provide her point of view but i i always find it very interesting how things that are now that are now considered acceptable were once considered unacceptable but because it's been repurposed for to fit the particular context of today it's now seen as acceptable and one example was um polyamory so it's like historically before 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 polyamory um people looked at polygamy which means you can have more than one wife as being a disgusting act as being inappropriate as as as, um, as destructive to society um, and in fact it's illegal in australia and many other countries around the world so it's illegal to have more than one wife or even husband um, but polygamy applies to wives i think there's another term for for husbands and i just thought i was like isn't that funny because you know society said this is this is this is regressive this is bad um and particularly within the context i guess of like you know certain religions like muslims believe polygamy is acceptable um with certain restrictions and it's a very and the restrictions are quite um difficult and there's a context in which it can be applied but also there's other religions out there. I think it's the Mormons as well. Um, and there's, you know, lo- lo- yeah, fundament- fundamentalist Christians. And I'm sure there's certain Jewish groups out there. And there's uh, other ancient beliefs in Africa, um, in Asia, you know, indigenous tribes as well, where, where polygamy is very much accepted. But it's just funny because I guess, well, in, in the modern world, like going back to it, now they've got, They've, they've said polygamy is bad but now because of like s- social it's, it's really difficult to challenge social uh, not social but it's really difficult to challenge certain human behaviors where they're like oh we, we, we realize monogamy is not a th- like it's, it's a very difficult concept we realize not everyone can be monogamous or not everyone wants to be monogamous and now we're in the stage of wokeness so we're going to be like polyamory is this thing where you can have multiple partners not wives or husbands, but partners, because they've stripped it away of any like religious context, and they're like, "This is acceptable, and people should be open-minded about it, and this is normal." And polygamy, sorry, monogamy is not normal, or nor is it 
from normal from an evolutionary point of view and anyone that doesn't think this is acceptable is like backwards and blah 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 and i was like but that doesn't make any sense you've literally just taken an old concept repackaged it to fit the modern context and more so to be honest from i guess a modern anglo eurocentric view and now you're like but now it's okay because we said it's okay but i was like but you still have laws against polygamy where it's illegal and it doesn't make any sense but you're saying it's okay to basically have 10 partners but it's not okay to have like two wives so i'll let amani share her perspective what do you think thanks um for that i 100 percent agree with you um interestingly enough i just wanted to point out that you know these are the same people who say but look at the animal world you know animals aren't monogamous animals have multiple partners look at the animal world you know like they, they don't it's like yes okay let's look at the animal world you know funnel web spiders um you know the female spider uh catches the male spider mates with him uh creates um a web around him and then kills him and then eats him so it's like okay let's look at the animal world penguins mate for life um lions mate for life they don't have multiple partners they have that one partner um i don't even know what the hell bugs do but it's just like um seahorses yeah yeah and then you've got you know seahorses where the the the, ma- the male uh basically carries the baby and gives birth and then becomes a female to look after the baby so you've got all sorts of animals um and interestingly enough they go and say but look at the animal world you know like you know polygamy sorry um polyamory is a thing monogamy is not a thing and i'm like but you know the animal world is about as diverse as the human world you've got people on who sit on every spectrum on on like the widest spectrum possible and the animal kingdom is very much the same and the funny thing is you know you go okay why don't you eat with you know your hands you ask like a western person hey like you know arabs you know we eat with our hands why don't you eat with your hands I'm not an animal. We have cutlery. It's like, uh, okay. So when it comes to food, you're not an animal. But when it comes to polyamory, like look at the animal kingdom, right? So it's like, um, oh, you know, like, why don't we, um, I want to go and um, camp in the desert, you know, like connect back to my roots. Oh, but you know, there are hotels. Why do you want to camp in the desert? Are you going back to your ancestral roots? We're not animals. I go to a hotel when I stay in a hotel. And it's like, and then they, you know, go to the hotel and they have a, you know, they find two new partners to join their uh, polyamorous relationship because him and his wife realize that they're not getting enough spice. So they want to diversify that relationship, get some more people in because love is love and you can ha- love as many partners as you want and it's okay. As long as it's cons- it's consensual, it's ethical non-monogamy as the Gen Zers call it these days. So it's interesting when they try to draw parallels with the animal kingdom and yet those parallels only run uh, as deep as they want in order to kind of justify the way in which they look at life but it doesn't run deep within every other facet of their life Um, so it's just like yes but also they say oh you know we're not animals we've evolutionized you know uh, sorry evolved we've evolved as people it's like okay so we're no longer apes we're humans now we've evolved so shouldn't our thinking also evolve shouldn't our family structure also evolve shouldn't our emotional needs also evolve with that evolutionary process but it only takes us so far 
and there's always an argument in nature or whatever it might be for these people to kind of grasp onto to justify the way in which they look at life so that's my take on it very interesting perspective again like we're, we're more or less aligned in our, in our views and it's not to say that because we're married or we live no. together we, we never necessarily share the same views but it's just I guess this level of like not hip- I wouldn't even say hypocrisy it's almost like that cognitive dissonance that happens within people's minds like how can one thing now be okay that was once not acceptable but because you've kind of re- renamed it and repackaged it it's like oh but this is different um, but it's not really different. And if I'm being honest with everyone, so um, this is the second time we're doing this podcast because initially we were like debating back and forth about how we were raising a few topics. Um, but it might seem like a bit out of context right now, but then in, in originally in the first um, version, Amani was mentioning how during, because I think I mentioned earlier on that we went to a dinner with these these friends um, so we were in this restaurant. It was quite nice. Um, we had views of the whole city, and you could see that a lot of the buildings have been lit up for World Pride. I think it's month or week. I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, so basically, it's like okay, they're celebrating um, sexual diversity. If that's how you can, fr- if that's if that's how you frame it. Um, and look, everyone has different views in in life and doesn't mean you, you can't be tolerant you can accept things and not necessarily agree with it like you know you could have friends that are anti-vaxxers and that's just their worldview or their own personal views and there's no reason why you shouldn't be friends you know because they're entitled to their own perspectives but you can say i am pro-vaccination i don't have to force you to be believe in my my views nor do they have to force you to be anti-vax and the same thing, like there are people out there that, um, for example, like that don't drink and there are people that do drink and, you know, no, like it's okay to be friends with people who do drink and it's okay to be friends with people who don't drink. Like there isn't this, um, this thing that says in life, this rule where you basically it's like people have to be the same in every facet from the way they think to the things they believe in. So what I'm trying, so what, what, what happened was, Okay, so you've got World Pride Month celebrating, um, I guess, the various letters, um, LGBTQI, I think. I'm not even sure what they all are. But it was interesting because, you know, once upon a time, it wasn't that long ago that a lot of, a, a lot of institutions and people who are now kind of, they've jumped onto the, um, I guess... Oh, I guess what's the word? It's not bandwagon, but onto this whole like movement. These were a lot of these people were actually. I remember in high school and university making very dis- disparaging, degrading remarks about homosexuality, about people, um, about people's sexualities in general. You know, calling people gay, calling even if it was a joke, it was just widely used to kind of like mock people. You're gay. This is gay. Um, or saying words like faggot, I'm not a faggot, whatever. Like if you like astrology, they'll be like, I'm not a faggot. Um, I just found it to be very interesting. And a lot of them are like CEOs or people in like top positions now. And now these institutions have jumped onto the whole trend of like, not trend, but like I guess the movement of, um, what do you call it? The Like celebrating 
um, sexual diversity. But it's like they don't see the hypocrisy or like how limited um, this this take is because there's, there's other types of diversity as well. It's not to say that you can't, now you can't celebrate any diversity because you have to do them all equally. What do you think, Mandy? Thank you, Sam. So as Sam said, this is the second go of the podcast. And um, on the first go, I actually raised this point, which is um, about a week ago, I had a client meeting. Um, we were at the client's office for a training session. And we basically got our um, posse of lawyers to head over to that office. And uh, they had, you know, their posse of, you know, builders, etc., developers come in. Um, and one of the directors of that company said to me, oh, Amani, would you like a drink? And every single drink on the table was alcoholic. And I kindly declined and I said, oh, thank you so much, you know, insert name here. Um, I'm, I'm actually all right. And the female partner that's in our team shot me a look and said, Amani, this is a yes environment. And it wasn't done in a light kind of hearted way or as a joke. She was being dead set serious and was almost shocked at me turning down an offer by the client to drink alcohol. And so at this dinner that we went to the other day, we were talking about diversity in the workplace. And um, my colleague's wife said, um, oh, you know, money, like, you know, my husband said when he started law, it was a very different, you know, uh, space. And everyone, you know, was white and it was very Eurocentric, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, oh, it's so amazing how things have changed. And I said to her, well, actually, insert name here. Um, it actually hasn't changed very much. On the outside, it looks like it's changed. They'll hire people who are brown or black or people of color, etc. They'll hire people who are Muslim, Christian, you know, Jew, Hindu, non-religious, atheist, you know, etc. Agnostic. That's all good. They'll hire people from different cultures and people who celebrate, um, you know, or showcase their culture in different ways, but only on a surface level. In fact, deep down on a work level, in terms of how you engage with clients, how you behave in the workplace, how you interact at social events, the same Eurocentricity is still very much alive. So if you say, if you decline and say, sorry, I don't drink, it's seen as odd. It's seen as you're not a team player. It's seen as you're not willing to partake in this team bonding exercise in some way. In fact, our Christmas party, mid-year Christmas party last year, was a gin tasting um, event, whiskey and gin tasting. And kindly enough, they offered a non-alcoholic version of that. And it was just such a strange event, seeing people mix this gin and alcohol and the whiskey and taste it and swish it around. There was no food at the event, barely any food. It was just alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. And I sat there going, it's such a strange concept that team building or team bonding revolves around alcohol. But there are so many other things you could do. You could do like um, a trust exercise. You could do paint and sip. You could do bowling. You could do, there are a hundred other things you could do. But no, no, no. You chose a gin and a whiskey tasting thing instead. And it's just so strange. And, you know, we went to another event where we were meeting up with some experts for lunch. And this male partner um, knows I don't eat pork because I'm a Muslim and proceeded to order everything on the menu that was laced in pork in some way, shape or form. And when the meals came out on the table, 
I was, you know, trying to see what on earth I could actually eat from the meals in front of me. And everyone's like, Amani, what about this? Oh, Amani, what about that? Do you want a, want a piece of fish from here? And I'm like, yeah, but it's basically wrapped in prosciutto. So what, how am I supposed to eat it? Do I just take the prosciutto out, put it on the side and proceed to eat the fish? I mean, that's religiously impermissible. I can't do that. And so while they were enjoying their food and saying, oh, Amani, oh, Amani, you're really missing out on this delicious dish. I was sitting there going, but there were like 20 dishes on the menu and you could have simply ordered two or three dishes that didn't have, you know, pork in them. And so I left that lunch feeling unwelcome. I left that lunch feeling like I wasn't respected and I left that lunch incredibly hungry. So um, when you look at it, you know, on the outside, yes, it's all beautiful. It's all shiny. We promote diversity, whether it's sexual diversity or cultural diversity or religious diversity, whatever it is. But on a deeper level, on a fundamental level, you don't see it. In fact, even if I look at my own firm, how many women who wear the hijab who are fully qualified lawyers are hired? Zero. We have zero people who wear the hijab who are lawyers who work there. They're all stuck in boutique firms. And we're talking about people who might, in fact, be exceptional lawyers with exceptional writing skills, reasoning skills, etc., who are not given an opportunity to showcase their skills on a higher level in larger firms because of the way that they look. But we're celebrating sexual diversity, which is fantastic, and I agree with it. We should 100% celebrate it. And people should be, you know, able to be accepted for who they truly are. Whatever that looks and however that looks, you know, people are people at the end of the day and how am I any better than someone else just because they want to live their life in a different way? It's, I don't, I don't think that's right. But I think we need to do more as a society to accept everybody, not just people who we as corporations, you know, accept now because of the work bandwagon that we're jumping onto. So it's like... Again, I'll jump onto that point about alcohol. Um, let's just put it outside of a religious context for a second. Um, it's 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 very interesting in the sense that um, I guess you know there are there are people out there that don't drink alcohol for a variety of reasons, um, but it's widely accepted that alcohol in in certain societies is very much part of the um, social scene and, and, and fabric of society. So, you know, any celebration, birthdays, events, somehow centers around alcohol in some capacity. And because it's, it's been like that for so many years, you know, maybe hundreds of years or thousands of years, it's, very, it's been very hard to challenge. Um, and when, when, when we do celebrate, you know, we go diversity and we're like, okay, we have to be tolerant. We have to be accepting that people are different. And so now that they're celebrating, you know, LGBTQI and, and people's sexuality, but like you said, it's more surface level, to be honest, because peop- the companies, mostly institutions, are just jumping on the bandwagon in order to get, you know, that social credit to make themselves look good. But they're not really doing anything. They're not really fundamentally changing um, society's views. But there's also a bit of, like, frustration from other people that... Ha- who are different in, in many different ways that are kind of being totally ignored or overlooked because we can see the hypocrisy for what it is. We can see how superficial it is and and we're like, but why isn't that level of tolerance or understanding extended to different areas? Um, why can't people be ex- um, ex- 
accepted and acknowledged for their differences and uniqueness because as much as we want to believe that there's this wokeness as you're talking about and openness i think we we say to ourselves it's either very selective and superficial um, because again it's all about virtue signaling for these, these for these companies or other people and we're like but when it comes to other people's like differences say for example a person not drinking alcohol it's almost looked down upon challenged or you you're seen as being difficult or 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 not a team player and so it's like saying so people it's funny how some people can't again see the issues with that and again like the hypocrisy of it um and what's interesting further is there's a lot of studies now have come out and they continue to come out and a lot of people are openly speaking up about it now how you know alcohol is bad for you it's a talk it's a toxin it causes depression you know it leads to a lot of violence a lot of violence actually that hospital sorry a lot of violent crimes are caused by alcohol a lot of domestic abuse is caused by alcohol um a lot of you know you know liver disease cancer cirrhosis um a lot of societal issues aside from health issues are caused by alcohol it's actually very destructive so rather than saying to someone who doesn't drink you know what like trying to understand the reasoning behind why they don't drink you're kind of um uh, I, i guess looked down upon challenged um but, but again it goes, kind of goes back to this idea i'm, I'm trying to just, just sorry, catch my thought of like why isn't there this level of understanding particularly for something that's at least seemingly quite obvious for the rest rest of us um not necessarily a, a good a good thing for society but if but now, now now sorry now i remember where i was going with the idea but i'm saying but now you're seeing this slow creep of like experts who are happy to come out and say like it's actually not good for society and there are people who then these same people then will be like if someone said to them so you said from a religious perspective i don't drink um so this is why i'm, I'm at this event and I'm, i'm saying no as opposed to yes but if that same person said you know like my father died from cirrhosis of the liver or you know I, my dad was a violent alcoholic and he beat me and my mom and my, my my siblings very aggressively and this is why i don't drink it's almost celebrated by society and they will see you as like this strong character rather than respecting you and seeing you as a strong character as is and and celebrating this um this uniqueness about you and, and again trying to um if anything spread awareness in the same way they're spreading awareness about other people's sexuality if anything it's demeaned you're seen as being an other you're seen as being this um I guess you're like non it's not it's not it's like saying it's like they say to you like well you're in this country and we drink so therefore you must drink which is very aggressive and regressive because like how can you call yourself an openly tolerant understanding evolved civilized society when you will only accept ideas or views so long as they conform to your line of thinking and if they do challenge your way of living or line of thinking then you see it as a threat but if there's a social consequence right for example society will turn against you now because you're not you're not openly celebrating people's sexuality then then you'll basically be punished and cancelled as you, as you said um but it's like okay but don't you see don't don't you see the hypocrisy you can't just selectively choose 
what what you're willing to accept as diversity and so i know i'm going to pass on the mic like some societies and i find this to be very interesting um and I, I, so I, i'm going to use this example of my again scramble things a bit but like in israel which is the occupied palestinian territories their their justification for like why you know western countries should support them is they're like look how we treat you know people of a different sexual variation like homosexuals in the country we have laws that you know protect them so to speak um and they're like if it was if it was like some other entity you know they're like this wouldn't happen and you this is why you need to support us but at the same time like again there's a level of hypocrisy it's like you're trying to say that you're protect you're protecting the rights of one group of people but at the same time compromising the rights of another group of people um and the society doesn't see a problem with that because they're like no no it, it it's different I mean, we know we're killing thousands of palestinians on on a on a almost monthly basis or maybe year, like tens of thousands on a, on a yearly basis and we know we're stealing their land and appropriating it and all that stuff but it's it's different when we do it because look 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 here look here we're virtue signaling we're saying i think there's a term for it you yeah, call it yeah. Col- um. Um, so Yes, that is exactly what Israel does. And I use inverted commas to use the word Israel because it's actually called, you know, the occupied Palestinian territories. And 100% it should be recognized as that. And I'm not going to shy away from calling it Palestine on this podcast or in life or in any other situation because that's exactly what it is. Um, What inverted commas Israel does is called pinkwashing. So this is basically putting forward this idea that celebrating homosexuality and the LGBTIQA plus community is, um, is, is progressive. It's a sign of, you know, this fantastic democracy in the Middle East. There's no other democracy in the Middle East aside from the state of Israel. There are multiple issues with this statement. Number one, Palestine and the laws of Palestine have never um, um, been disrespectful towards the LGBTIQA plus community. There are no laws in Palestine which vilify or criminalize the LGBTIQA plus community. And so in that regard, Israel's sentiment is false. It's actually a logical fallacy. The second element of that is that they basically justify the torture, torment, displacement and ethnic cleansing of Palestinian people by putting forward this notion of, but look how great we treat the LGBTIQA plus community, but then fail to recognize that number one, Palestinian rights are continuously undermined on a daily basis. Palestinians are consistently exiled from their communities and their homes to which they have a legitimate uh, title to. Um, they, there are multiple UN reports and there's also ICC um, judgments that have come out which basically identify and support the fact that Palestine has you know, the right to exist and that Palestinian people's homes should be protected from Israel's continued um, you know, um, terrorist regime against them. And thirdly and most importantly, Israel fails to acknowledge the fact that it as a nation of Jews actually um, undermines other Jews within the same nation. So, for example, if you're a black Jew, i.e. not Ashkenazi, you are actually looked down upon. In fact, they actually have a 
how Jewish are you system where people who are not European Jews are not seen as uh, the same as any other Jew in Israel. In fact, they're given less rights. And so as, you know, this amazing Jewish state, they've come out and said, we're a democracy, we're amazing, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, pinkwashing, exiling Palestinians, treating black Jews and other Jews who are of not Ashkenazi descent like absolute trash, failing to acknowledge that in the Supreme Court of Israel, what they do is they actually fail to allow Palestinians the right to legal representation, which is something they openly do. Um, and on top of that, when Palestinians come to argue land rights, they have to show about 2,000 years of records of land rights and land uh, connection. And on top of that, what they actually do is they consistently burn olive farms and other farms because, and the reason why they actually burn olive farms is because olives are, olive trees are trees that uh, have lived in Palestine for 2,000, 3,000 years. So each generation plants an olive tree and it survives. And they continue to care for the land and look after and cultivate the land, etc. And that's just basically Palestinian heritage and culture. And so what Israel does is they come in, they burn down these trees. And the moment they burn down the trees, they go to court and say, actually, there's nothing on that land. There's, it hasn't been used, it hasn't been cultivated, and therefore we can build a settlement on that land. So this is what, this is what Israelis do. But in terms of uh, you know, this co concept of democracy, it's like Israel is seen as this superior power in the Middle East, you know, this power that supports these rights, these people, this way of life. But everyone completely ignores the other side of that, which is let's burn down farms, let's vilify other Jews who are black, let's kill the Palestinians and exile them. But at the same time, it's like, hey, like, you know, we support everyone. Look how we're supporting these people. Exactly. I think what you're trying to say is like, you can't say we're protecting and supporting the human rights of one group of people mm -hmm. that are a minority, while at the same time, you're basically eroding and yes. destroying the human rights of another group of people and yet including Jews and yet and yet because and, and you're simply just trying to take advantage and virtue again signal mm -hmm. to society that we are democratic we are progressive we do believe in human rights but again it just doesn't doesn't fit well or, or, or sound right to a normal rational human being that can kind of see the illogical hypocritical um, um, nature of this of, of this behavior and statement because you're like you're literally subjugating an entire population of people um, and you're basically denying them any of any rights be it international or, or just general human rights mm. but you're saying no 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 we are progressive because we do this we do this but it's like okay you've been basically found to be a person who's a massive hypocrite I think that's what you're trying to say by, by using the example and how again throughout time um, you know societies or, or, or people kind of repackage certain things to suit a particular agenda or narrative so what was once if, if you are truly a person that cares about human rights then you have to care about all human rights you don't say well we care about this specific marginalized group of people but everyone else oh, look we can't care about everyone but you can care about everyone I actually wanted to use um, a more kind of light-hearted example as well, which is, you know, we have an area in Sydney called Newtown. It's full of, you know, these on-the-fringe kind of people. 
they're happy to be openly themselves you know on the weekends men are barefoot and they wear skirts but these are the same people who between monday to friday wear corporate suits and you know blue suit navy suit white shirt blue shirt black shoes it's just the same repeated kind of uniform but that's not the point that I wanted to make. The, the point is there's actually um, a drum studio in Newtown. So it's like a healing drum kind of um, studio that they have there. And they also have, um, and, you know, all these people come in with their dreads and et cetera. And they come in there and they heal and they dance with these tribal drums. And now it's seen as this is a spiritual movement. You know, this is we as people have always had this deep connection to the tribal rhythms you know this is within us everyone has this and it's like meanwhile um there are so many other societies around the world that have always had this you have um you know um inuits who uh you know undulate you also have native americans who use a uh, voice undulation you have um um even um the muslims who undulate when they read the Quran they have to actually use undulation and tones when they recite the Quran in you know sing like in, in a sing-song way almost in a poetic way and throughout history it's always seen as it's been mocked it's like oh look at this person making like horse sounds you know and using these strings to make this sound um, and this is their way of basically connecting with their environment their um, the you know the energy of the land etc and it's always been mocked by you know western society and i'm not trying to shit on western society that's not what i'm trying to do but again we repackage this connection to the land we repack we repackage this connection to the energy from which we're made up of and then we slap a label on it we, we call it healing tribal sounds of newtown mm. and then all of a sudden you've got 30 corporate you know douchebags who wear black and white and navy all week round on the weekends now they're barefoot and they're connected to the ground in a backyard you know newtown shed and they're all dancing to these tribal beats simply because we've repackaged it and then spat it out as some sort of spiritual healing thing and you know let's add some psilocybin to the mix as well meanwhile real genuine connection to the land and that energy which makes up all of us has consistently actually been undermined and diminished throughout the entire human history so it's just an interesting kind of revelation and i'm just going to jump onto that quickly because again like that's what i'm saying like society has a way of always now like repackaging and repurposing things and and they're like but when we do it it's different mm. right so historically a lot of like people from different parts of the world would use psychedelics um as a form of like some sort of spiritual enlightenment or like reaching a high level of consciousness. So like one of them is, is ayahuasca. It ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And ayahuasca has existed for a very, very long time, particularly amongst the native South America. Mm -hmm. I guess that's where it comes from. Yeah. And there's other forms of like, again, psychedelics, um, hallucinogens, yeah, that, that in different societies. And then in, in the Western world, it was very much seen as like, you know, these people are backwards, you know disgusting um they're uncivilized they're unevolved look at the like they just want to get stoned they're not productive they're dancing um, to the rhythm yeah they're like yeah like they're almost animalistic dancing to the rhythm and like chanting and like sweating it out mm. and all of that and then quite and, and obviously society and i'm again it's not about east meets west but just saying like the hypocrisy and kind of like double standards and the repackaging, and the repackaging of things in society um which is like 
okay, so you had laws all against drugs. These drugs are bad. Drug, and I'm not, I'm not saying like it depends on how you use it, but I'm saying they're like drugs are bad, and you know these like people from these these eastern lands or like even like you obviously South Americans are like from these strange places with their strange habits and why would they do these things and this is why their economies are so poor and this is why they're so unproductive and and like you know there's a lot of negative connotations and associations but then you know i guess in the civilized world as they like to say you know stress is is on the rise mental health is incredibly um a lot of people's mental health is quite bad and, and destructive and so suicide rates are quite high um, a lot of people are suffering from depression, anxiety, all these all these ailments, and they're like, "Well, what what, what what's going on?" Mm-hmm. And then, you know, someone goes out and realizes, "Oh wait, these these Eastern people, or these people from like these these exotic lands, as they like to say, actually understood the power of like consciousness and and um, you know using these psychedelics to tap into certain um, what do you, what would you say um, certain they say like what would the ego be described as like certain aspects of their their character and their personality that really that they, that they didn't know existed yeah it's like allowing them to like to basically destroy uh, their higher consciousness higher consciousness like they look at themselves almost like from a like a bird's eye view and they're like oh my ego mm. or oh, my anxiety stems from like some sort of trauma because it's it's these these hallucinogenics are unlocking a lot of these neural mm. pathways or expanding the the human mind in in ways that normally can't be achieved um and now they've 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 created these courses and these like camps Mm -hmm. and they're they're charging you three thousand dollars to go and do these you know two week but it's almost so institute again it's institutionalized and standardized like but it's it's different when we do it and now they're like oh my god you know all these universities are jumping onto the onto onto this research about how it can help cure ptsd and can can reduce depression quite dramatically, particularly if it's um, chronic depression. Mm-hmm. And before, what was once mocked and degraded, and they're like, these are for these people from these lands, and they this is why they are so the way they are. And now they're like, but it's different because now we're charging four, three, three, four thousand dollars for this two week course or camp, and you know, it's it's no longer it's no longer um, like somehow tied to like some religion because a lot of it would be tied to like animist and animist um or like ancient kind of religious um rituals or practices now they've basically they like we're going to strip it away from all forms of like religion or or real spirituality and then we've repackaged it and we're like we're turned into this course and we've used different terms and so there's no longer like terms such as um god or or like my creator. spirits or create and all that now it's all about um the universe and 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 manifestations and, and vibrations and whatever you want to call it right it's like okay so you've literally just taken an existing concept that you mocked mm. and looked down upon and now you've repackaged it and now you're like but now it's acceptable mm. because what I, I said is acceptable yeah, a hundred, I hundred percent agree with you. I think it's insanely absurd. So I even went to um, a yoga class a few weeks ago, and it was a fantastic yoga class. And this lady um, goes, "Oh, if you're interested in my retreat, like, let me know. I'll send you an email." And I was like, "Yeah, like, you know, I'm interested." 
I got the email and it was a, a two-day retreat and it was $3,000 for the weekend in the Hunter Valley. So these people, you know, obviously make their money from the actual accommodation more than the actual, you know, yogic aspect of it. But uh, what I find incredibly interesting is that, you know, you've got these, you know, spiritual guides like Sadhguru who is, you know, this um, Indian yogi and he's reached this higher level of consciousness and he tours the world and he's, you know, got all of these amazing programs, etc. He's a fantastic speaker as well. And he was saying that um, historically, yoga was about reaching a higher level of consciousness. It's about letting go of your ego, letting go of yourself and just connecting with your surroundings, connecting with the energy, the same energy that makes up the world around you, realizing that you and your space are one. You are the same. It's the same energy, it's the same space. And he said that, yogis used to spend their entire life actually just perfecting one move and sometimes that move is as simple as crossing your legs and just breathing just perfecting your breathing with a you know cross-legged movement as simple as that and what the west has done again not crapping on the west but what the west has done is they've taken an ancient spiritual practice turned it into some exercise regime and now it's who can put their legs behind their heads while balancing on one hand, you know, and now let's quickly go into downward dog. It's like, but that's not what it was. It wasn't about being in a really hot studio and sweating it out for 45 minutes in strange poses. It was about legitimately slowing and connecting. And now it's like, hey, I'm a CEO, you know, I work hard and I'm stressed out. I'm going to like just go into a really hot studio with a hot um, yoga instructor for 45 minutes and sweat it out with my legs behind my head. And look, now this yoga instructor is pushing my back into the right position. And oh, yeah, I feel real good. That stretch burns real good. And it's like, but that's not what yoga was. Um, And even Sadhguru talks about how the West has taken this spiritual practice and has turned it into an exercise regime. But yoga isn't exercise. Yoga is the purest form of meditation. Yeah, and, and and then kind of jump and then adding on to that, so it's like that whole talk about you know now what brings people a sense of purpose or meaning or sense of fulfillment. Historically, people a lot of people didn't have this existential crisis where they're like, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? Because they had religion, and you know religion is, has always been around. As much as people want to believe, it's like. The last two thousand years, through that, it's always existed. From the, you can look at Stonehenge to the ancient Egyptians to the Mayans, Aztecs, um, you know, the ancient religions of the Phoenicians, Canaanites, you know, in Asia. Um, religion's always been there. It's given people some sort of explanation as to why we're here. But now, again, society's thought they they think to themselves, but we've evolved. You know, we're civilized. We're we don't believe in these ancient traditions. It's, none of this makes sense. It's contradictory and all of this stuff. And so they've like stripped it all away. And, we'll, and the, the simple explanation is now we're just here. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are, f- are suffering from distress, lack of purpose, lack of um, any understanding of why they do what, why they even existing and why they do what they do. And simply been told you just exist and you just have to accept that, which is, again, very hard f- for some people to accept and, and not think about. Because otherwise you're just a cog in a, in, a, in a machine and you're just spinning around. So, 
what what I find funny now is like they there's almost society has realized yeah yeah like what do we do now like religion like obviously there's a there's a there's a massive void we'll, we'll call it spirituality because we're going to strip it away from all the um, rituals and practices and all that and then we're also going to say there's no God it will call it universe there's no um, like spirits and all that we'll call it like manifestations and like you know chant uh, whatever like vibrations and all of this stuff it's just like but what you've literally done is again you've repackaged religion and you've stripped it away and i'm not saying religion i mean religion has changed over time to the degree that it's become institutional it, it became institutionalized in the last like 100 years 200 years you know you have hierarchies and and s- figures and all that that didn't exist when religion was for when f- religion first came about um so i'm not saying there hasn't been like a distortion but they've basically said They've shut on religion completely. Anyone who's religious is an idiot. Anyone who believes in, in God is obviously backwards. But hey, the universe and manifesting and 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 um and playing the bongo drums. <laughs> I don't know. I think the issue as well in society is the more we progress, the more we regress. It's almost like it's the it's two sides of the same coin, effectively. So on the one hand, the more we progress scientifically the more we realize that, oh, in fact, there's so much that science can't explain or account for. Um, for example, I'll give the example of, um, what's that um, forest called? The, la- the Amazon. So the Amazon rainforest is actually extremely infertile. It's probably the most infertile place on the planet. And you're probably listening to this podcast going, what the hell, Amani? Can you? Is that real? Um, yeah, Google it. It is real. So effectively, what happens is from the sub-Saharan desert, there are uh, ancient fish fossils that have turned into this white dust, and it's got um, enough. It's got phosphor in it, and effectively, once a year, strong winds from the sub-Sahara push large amounts of phosphor, well, i.e., this sand or this these kind of particles, this powder, whatever it is, this dust across the ocean and it lands perfectly into the Amazon rainforest and deposits exactly the right amount of phosphor required to keep the Amazon rainforest functioning. And without that phosphor deposit every single year, the Amazon rainforest will completely fall apart. And when you look at that, you're like, well, how is it that the exact number, it's not like some random number, it's the exact number is deposited into the Amazon every single year in this annual kind of event. And scientists are like, oh, you know, it's just a fossil, you know, like a fish died and, you know, there's like a wind and it gets carried and like, you know, climate change and, you know, like, and I'm like, well, how is it the exact number? It's the exact number. And beyond that, you know, you've got, um, you know, I, I go to, I get therapy, etc. It's more about, you know, healing the inner being healing your energy center it's more than for me traditional therapy did not work i could not um understand what they were going on about they couldn't understand me there was just an entire disconnect and i'm not saying therapy doesn't work for people i mean everyone's different some people you know who um struggle to kind of see things from you know a real kind of perspective and they dissociate etc they actually benefit from having a traditional therapist come in and 
you know, to show them, hey, look, you know, from an outside perspective, what you're experiencing is X, Y, or Z. And for them, that might be incredibly beneficial and it might have an, a profound impact on their life. And it might completely change the way that they see their life and their connections moving forward. But I think for me, as someone who introspects quite a lot, um, it just didn't really work. For, it didn't really resonate with me. And so for me, I went on a one-year healing journey um, and it was more about aligning myself with the energy centers within my body. And through that process, you realize that, look, whether you want to call it religion or spirituality or whatever, every single person has energy centers. You've got your chakras and beyond your chakras, you have your jing and you have your chi energy forces as well. And there are other energy forces within your body. So your chi energy force is your life force that doesn't get depleted. That actually you can replenish that. But your jing energy force, which actually lives in your kidneys, is something that you're born with. And in fact, the more you expose yourself to toxicity within your environment, being physical toxicity, emotional toxicity, etc., you actually deplete your jing. And what I found interesting was the more you learn about your energy forces, the more you look at, for example, the way your body functions from even a scientific perspective, the more you realize that so much of that comes back to religion and it's founded in religious principles and beliefs. So for example, the eye and the way in which the eye functions, if you look at the eye under a microscope, all of the neurons, all of the connectors resemble 100% um, you know, forms within the universe. And it's exactly, it's, it looks exactly the same. The energy that makes up ourselves is the same energy that makes everything up around us. It's the exact same energy. It's the exact same force of the plant, of the soil, etc. And so when we talk about spirituality and religion and connection and, you know, healing, etc. Even if I also look at Islamic practice where we pray five times a day and we come to the prayer mat barefoot. We don't wear shoes, we're barefoot. And even in spirituality, when you are barefoot, you connect to the energy of the earth. So there re there's a reason for that. It's about grounding energy. The ground in which you stand upon gives you healing energy. It heals trauma. It heals depression. It heals pain, phys even physical pain. They've actually done studies where standing on grass actually helps you heal physical ailments. Standing on soil helps you heal physical ailments. So there's a reason why when you walk on sand, you feel better or a reason why if you're gardening outside barefoot, you feel great. And then the second thing we do is we place our hands on our hearts. Our heart obviously is, you know, where our heart chakra is. Um, it's about love, connection, developing those bonds in life. And so when we place our hands on our heart, we actually provide ourselves with the emotional comfort and security that we need. And then when we place out, when we prostrate, and we place our heads on the ground in Islam, it's the same as child's pose. You're grounding your third eye onto the ground. These are just my interpretations of the movements in which we, like but the, the similarities between spirituality and religion. And I think when we look at spirituality completely devoid of religion, we kind of, we shit on religion almost. But in fact, if you were to look at science, spirituality and religion in a more holistic way, you realize that one cannot actually exist without the other. They're actually all interconnected. 
And if we all were open-minded enough to view that interconnection and be completely on board with that interconnection, you know, we'd actually live much more positive lives. So I, I think like, like people again, like have to be honest about themselves. Like they, they might think to themselves, oh yeah, I'm, I'm different. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm evolved and I don't, I don't follow trends and I don't, but you are following a trend because the trend now is like, don't be religious, you know, religions, uh, uh, like you know a farce um it's it's more about control and all of this stuff which i look i don't think it's to do with religion things to do with human nature you know people again like institutionalize things because they want to make money they want to control other people and all of that but religion never came in with the idea of to control anyone it's saying to people look this is probably this might explain your existential crisis or that question that you've always had on your mind as to why you're here and these ritualistic practices, for example, like praying, which we now call meditating, um, helps helps you kind of ground yourself and keeps you accountable and being grateful because you know a lot of religions require you to be grateful. Now it's like gratitude practicing, you know, practice gratitude. Or also they would go like remember like religions focus on death a lot because they're like your time is limited on this planet, um, so you have to be mindful of your behavior, your actions. Also like don't take yourself too seriously but also you realize your actions and your behaviors can have a negative impact on on yourself and the people around you so be mindful whereas society now is like no 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 we're, we're going to scrap all of that right and we're going to basically take the bits and pieces we like and we, and we repackage it and ignore everything else and i'm like ah, see again you think you're again like you think you're trendy and you're not trendy like you're like you're different but you're not you're literally following the trend that everyone else is following because tv and movies and radio and music has told you now religion is 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 shit um it's 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 a it's a it's a a yeah it's like religion is a scam right and and now like you don't want to be part of that scam but once upon not that long ago there was the whole east was versus west divide right 9-11 they made religion a point they're like you know you, you make sure you know that you're a Christian and these people are Muslims and make sure that the, you, know, you understand that these people like even during um, you know I'm sure in, in other places of the world are like these people are Buddhists and these people are Hindus and these people oh, not even that let's go back to World War Two. these are the Jews right and we're the Christians and the Jews like this and they behave like this and blah 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 it's like what, 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 are, you, what are you doing like, what, are you, what are you saying um like, do you do you realize that you just seem to jump on trends and beliefs that that kind of fit the context of the time? And now the context is like, I, I just find it so hilarious, where they go, um, you know, do do what makes you feel happy. Like, mm. it's like, I, I don't see how how that makes any sense um, in the sense that like, there's a lot of things that a person can do that will make them happy, but they'll impact a lot of other people around them but again it's just this 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 trend whereas before because now what i'm saying is like now there's this individualistic mindset do what makes you happy whereas historically it was a collectivist mindset where they're like no do what's right for society and what's right for society is good for everyone but everyone keeps thinking to themselves like no no we're different we're unique we don't we don't follow the um the paradigm that uh, or the rules of society but you're not actually that unique you're not. If you look around you, this person that thinks to themselves, "Yeah, I'm, I'm I don't believe in religion because it's a joke." Like every other person around you has that same view. Mm-hmm. It's not like you've come to this conclusion on your own because you've, you've had reached this high level of enlightenment. 
if honest if, if i can be very honest and direct it's almost like you're you're a joke mm. because you think you, to yourself like you have these original thoughts but you don't someone's literally planted that seed in your head right and then now they've told you now religion's a joke and then maybe maybe 10 years from now they'll be like no no religion's important right <laughs> when for whatever reason um or they'll be like they'll tell you no no now now polyamory is is, is good and the next thing's like no no having multiple partners is a bad idea mm-hmm. you know i'm sure when you have an explosion of stis and herpes and, and all these other issues and, and and children that are born you know and and kind of just thrown you know well they don't know who their parents really are it'll create a lot of societal issues um but then 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 obviously the narrative would change and then people again like thinking that they have these original thoughts and views that's why i I find it very interesting when i go to these dinners um talking to people and i'm not saying like they're not smart people but i'm like man like you honestly think that this thought has come from you or you honestly think like you've reached this higher level of like thinking and that you're so unique it's like but all you are to be honest and i say it respectfully is just another sheep and there's someone else that's pushing the buttons and pulling the strings and here you are think to yourself nah but i've i've I've, i understand things that others don't understand Mm -hmm. or you're just literally being herded around which a lot of people are it's like the rules when it comes to now like relationships where they'll be like by the third date you have to do this and when you're 16 years old you have to have your first kiss and when you're and and god forbid should you be a virgin but like i don't don't even understand and this is the funny thing another like social construct where people keep changing it they're like um they'll be like you know people that believe in virginity and all this stuff it doesn't exist it's a social construct okay you know it's a social construct but then why does society and movie and tv is constantly harp on about virginity i gotta lose my virginity i gotta lose my virginity oh my god they use it as a derogatory term that person's a virgin but i just thought it was a social construct it doesn't exist and why people then hyper fixated on, on on virginity and losing the virginity why are they constantly making references to it in movies and people even themselves the people that are atheists and irreligious are constantly referencing it but i thought it was a social construct do you not see that you're incapable of thinking for yourself and how there's like these constant contradictions in, in your line of thinking so on the one hand you make a point of it and uh, as 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 it being something that's so important and that like you're social you're unwanted if you're 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 virgin or whatever it is but at the same time you're saying virginity doesn't exist you can't prove it right it's a social construct you can't lose you can't lose it but this is what i'm, I'm trying to say like society like they repackage and repurpose things to suit the nar- like the agenda the narrative the context of the time so so what is it i think also from a physio- physiological point of view <clears throat> we tend to praise men who lose their virginity and we're like oh but you but i'm just saying like we look at these men we're like oh yeah slap on the back yeah buddy yeah you did it last night wow meanwhile if a let's say i mean not all women are born with a hymen not all women keep their hymen intact not all women's hymens look the same um some women ride bikes you know as children they ride bikes they lose it some women are just born without one some women are unfortunately a lot of children are sexually abused and lose it and don't want to talk about it you know and they have a lot of pressure to keep that part of themselves hidden and they're ashamed and they live their whole lives in this frame of shame and guilt and um unfortunately you know when push comes to shove in society in real life you know 
a lot of men who are stabbing each other on the back are like, yeah, yeah, bro, you lost your virginity. And then meanwhile, they're with these women. They're like, oh, you're a slut. You know, it's like, but I thought it didn't exist. I thought we can all have sex with everyone and that's okay. Like, I thought that was all good. I thought that was Western culture. I thought this is what we do. We praise each other for it. By the first date, you're supposed to have sex. What are you doing waiting until marriage? And yet when they wait until marriage, all of a sudden, this chick you've slept with on the first date is a slut now because she, her hymen's not intact. It's like, it's such a weird way of looking at the world. And it's just, it's not just, it's, I mean, I've heard it from people as well firsthand. And you sit there going, like, what the hell? Like, really? I thought, you know, you didn't care about it. What is this? But um, even even um, if we look at just going off that topic and looking at, you know, abortion rights, a lot of people go, oh, you know, Islam, you know, these Muslimic people, they're so backwards with their practices, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, we are the West. We are amazing. We are progressive. We are the M. And what is incredibly funny is in America, you've got that um, case. What was it again? Um, Roe Roe and something. Uh, Wade. Yeah, Wade and Roe. Roe and Wade, whatever, where they um, abolished the rights to legal abortion. And it's not that women aren't going to abort. Abortion will still always be there. They've just basically criminalized the right for a woman to abort. And they always point the finger at, you know, other cultures or other religions around the world and say, you know, you're wrong, you know, you're backwards, you're whatever. But funnily enough, in Islam, you know, abortion is actually, we have liberal views towards abortion. And women do have the right to abort if there's a threat of harm to the mothers. If the status of the pregnancy is before the 120-day gestational period, and whether there are fetal anomalies present in the pregnancy which are incompatible with life. So we're talking about severe disabilities. So it gives women the flexibility and the choice to say, am I comfortable with bringing this child into the world? Am I going to give this child the best quality of life by bringing them in? You know, have I been raped? Do I want to keep this baby? Do I want to abort that child? Am I putting my life at risk by having this baby? So we do have laws, you know, that which are quite flexible. We have a flexible mentality around this. We put the rights of the mother and the comfort of the mother first. And a lot of the times in the West, they have this kind of frame or mentality when it comes to other cultures or religions where we shame women. And we say, oh, look, we're so progressive. We're the West. Look at you. And it's like all you've done is taken pre-existing abortion rights and rights of the protection of the mother and you've labeled them as legal abortion now in the West. And yet, just last year, you basically overturned that same decision. It's like, well, that's just incredibly stupid. And it doesn't have to be the West. It could be any society that's like, where, again, like they think they're progressive, where they're like, religion is redundant. Um, and this is what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of constructs that select, like, society is very particular. They're like, this, this is important, but this isn't important. Or they'll be, again, like I said, they'll, they'll repackage it to suit the context of, of, of the time. So the, again, like when I was giving the example of, of virginity, they'll be like, virginity doesn't exist. Virginity is a social construct. There's no way of proving it, no way of establishing it. Fair enough. But then you watch all these TV shows and the movies and the songs, and they keep harping on about it. But you're like, but how can, on the one hand, you're saying it doesn't exist, right? And then on the other hand, it's like, it's like, but it does exist. It's like so. So, what what is it that you're trying to say as a society? Like, what what are your views? What are your beliefs? 
Um, I, I just feel like there's no consistency, but again, like it will always be repackaged in some way um, to suit the context of the times um, for, for, what, for whatever reason. And the same thing with, um, again, like we were talking about earlier, um, what was it? It was like, again, yeah, people having differences in the sense of saying like, okay, alcohol, um, certain people don't drink. And it's like well known that, you know, drinking is actually really bad for you for a variety of reasons and bad for society. But because society hasn't yet fully accepted and classified alcohol as being just as bad as smoking, if not worse, they're like, it's okay because it's, it's, it fits within our context. Now, context is alcohol is a social lubricant. Alcohol gives us a purpose to meet up with people. Alcohol allows us to kind of create a sense of community because we've established our, our communities around in pubs, in, in clubs, in, in all these places. And so we can't, we can't, we can't say it's, it's bad for society. We can't change it yet. But when we look at other societies where like, for example, during the Qatar, during the World Cup, where they're like, you know, alcohol isn't part of our culture, isn't part of our religion, isn't part of, of how we operate. And so they banned it, but they were shunned and then they were mocked and they were humiliated and, and attacked. But, but these societies are supposed supposedly open and woke and, and liberal and progressive, but you're not really progressive as long as you fit within our narrative and so, so long as you're kind of in tune with the context that we say well so in terms of the context or times of uh, sorry in in line with our context and times and when we say this is okay then it's okay when we say it's bad then it's bad but you you anyone else that disagrees is is, is otherwise backwards or regressive or can't really think for themselves now at some point i'm sure with all the studies that keep coming out right and all the social issues that we continue to face Alcohol be deemed unacceptable by, in the same way that smoking was deemed unhealthy, destructive, you know, and, and really bad for society. But until then, anyone that doesn't drink will be shunned, will be kind of isolated, will be ridiculed or basically seen as being not a team player or more difficult or again, like just a bit of an odd person. Rather than people truly questioning and saying to themselves, wait a second, are, are we actually as, as liberal and understanding progressive as we think we are? Because we've cre- we, we, we tend to basically make the rules as we go along mm-hmm. and it has to fit within our context. And so we do the weird mental gymnastics that we have to do. As long as you, you, know, as long as you um, drink in moderation, everything in moderation is fine. That's like saying to someone who, who cheats, hey, look, as long as you don't cheat too much and you cheat maybe just like every now and then because it has to be you have to cheat in moderation then it's fine or saying to someone who smokes look as long as you don't smoke every day or as long as you don't smoke four packets a day you know and you just smoke in moderation then you're fine like it's a joke right or saying to someone hey look I know you're you're violent and aggressive right towards it but as long as you don't bash your wife with children every day because everything in moderation is okay and people might think these are extreme examples, but I actually don't think they're extreme examples. It's very clear that there are certain things in life that are good and then certain things that are bad. And people think might think, oh, that's very black and white. I think not necessarily. There's a lot of gray in a lot of, for a lot of other issues. But like, if you want to say truly that you're an open, tolerant, progressive society, then you, you really have to be honest about what you consider to be... Um, you know, like, okay, and, 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 and what's not okay by, 
by actually looking deeper into issues. I mean, maybe I've been speaking very vague terms and, and I haven't really provided much much depth. But again, it's just like it goes back to like at some point society is going to repackage and repurpose a lot of things that were considered distasteful or disagreeable into it being agreeable. Or then again, like when, when Muslims and other religions say, you know, alcohol is bad for you, they'll be, they'll be shunned, they'll be looked at as, again, regressive and like, again, with cuts on the World Cup, they'll be shat all over, right? But then as more studies continue to come out that alcohol causes seven different types of cancers and, and, and when people start to, again, like accept the reality that domestic, a lot of domestic violence, homelessness and all that stuff is caused by alcohol dependence, or, or as, as somehow relate to alcohol, people then be like, okay, no, 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 alcohol has always been bad, and we know it's been bad. Forget the Muslims don't understand anything, but now because we've said it's bad and we've we've established it very clearly that it's bad, you know, we're right. Now it fits within our context. Now we have to c- kind of come up with a whole new way of engaging socially. Um, but it's because we said it's bad now, and we're, we're and, and and now we've changed the rules of the game. I don't know if that makes sense, or did I just? Waffle on. No, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think you were going, you, you made a point in the initial podcast with Bruce Scrapped, um, where you were talking about how we always have this kind of view that we've progressed so much and yet we're still very much the same as we've always been. Yeah. We actually haven't changed very much at all. Um, and a good example is, you know, in the Islamic, you know, Islamic world, in the Arab world, we used to wear like abaya, so it's like a long kind of free-flowing dress that both men and women wore, but just, you know, they look slightly different. So the woman's one was embellished. They had um, a lot of, you know, for example, um, thread detailing on it, etc. whereas the men's one was plain. And now you've got studies where people are saying actually tight-fitting clothing is incredibly bad. In the early 2000s, when we had the rise of the skinny jeans, um, that was the fashion and you know studies came out saying that in fact uh, wearing restrictive clothing is incredibly bad for blood circulation um, it causes a number of health issues including restricting uh, your sex organs which actually need a lot of room to breathe and in women can throw off the ph balance of your privates and thus cause things like thrush etc and in men can actually reduce uh, the health of your sperm because you're constricting your um, prost- you know, what's it called your what do they call the where you produce your, your scrotum <clears throat> etc so they've come out with these studies saying you know free-flowing clothing is actually very good to wear and breathability and functionality you know obviously are part and parcel part of that and so it's just interesting now how we kind of label it as oh yes you know science has shown that free-flowing clothing is very good for your health it's like but when we were wearing it before it was uncultured uncivilized men in skirts men in dresses ha 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 how funny oh my god that's hilarious a man walking down the street in a dress yeah there's a guy in Newtown wearing a skirt and was barefoot three weeks ago and that was fine but just as an example of how far society really hasn't changed in fact they're pretty much the same i came across um these quotes from pompeii um from 2000 years ago and it was actually graffiti written on the walls by the youth of pompeii 2000 years ago and so a few of them i I found three really really funny ones i wanted to share which is if anyone does not believe in venus they should gaze at my girlfriend (laughs) that was one of them and honestly it hasn't really changed that much 
the other one is on april 19th i made bread and i was like what even is this and then uh the funny thing is the other really funny one was to the one defecating here beware of the curse if you look down on this curse may you have an angry jupiter for an enemy and then the other one that i found hilarious was chi i hope your hemorrhoids rub together so much that they hurt worse than when they when they ever have before and it's just you know now we've got these you know older people going oh the youth of today you know this disgusting youth graffitiing everywhere in bathrooms on trains they have no respect for where they live and you've got these people 2000 years ago riding on the city walls and you know having a great time doing it so i think realistically you know we just as a society it's the same recurring themes throughout history that you know come up over and over again religion versus spirituality science versus religion gender politics versus you know strong gender norms and having these you know strong kind of identities and as men and women in the household um you know um grounding yourself spiritually and emotionally versus being a corporate you know kind of slave and getting into that and making a lot of money capitalism versus socialism individualism versus collect collective collectivism i can't even speak and collectivism yes um you've got for example um even uh lonely globalization versus uh um, self-sufficiency um etc the list goes on so you've got you know back and back in the day we had the silk road and that was the first you know signs of globalization but even before then there were actually pre-ice age signs of global um globalization we were watching um a video of um, great um, pre-Ice Age civilizations a few mo- uh, weeks ago. It was a great um, video. It was a great um, Netflix series. And they were talking about how there was obviously evidence of ancient civilizations communicating with each other, passing by sea, sharing trade secrets, knowledge, building secrets, spirituality, etc. And um, there was a cataclysmic event, i.e., Uh, an ice age which predates the ice age that we've come to know and that basically destroyed you know that passing of knowledge you know and that globalization and it kind of slowed things down and you then you had the silk road obviously a resurgence etc then you had the wars and that kind of again shrunk that and we all became quite self-sufficient individualistic um, and then now, you know, obviously we've got this sense of globalization. Everyone marries everyone, and the more we mix, the better it is, etc. And it's like, but that's always been around. If you did an ancestry DNA test, you'd find that you've, you're made up of God knows how many different kinds of, you know, um, you know, cultures from around the world. And you know, that's just how it's always been. And you know, we've got great pe- great grandparents and great great grandparents. And even if you went back 19, you know, grandparents ago. People have always mixed. People have always shared ideas and thoughts and values and morals and ethics and food and spices and art and, you know, whatever else it is and tell, you know, uh, tales and, you know, um, whatever it is. And, you know, now we've all kind of come and said, forget about the last, I don't know, million years of civilization. Chuck that out of the window. Now, you know, now we know more. Now we know more. Actually, we've probably regressed and we've probably... You know, if if Pompeii shows you anything, we've pretty much been the same for the past two thousand years. So really, how different are we compared to all the generations that have come and gone and are, you know, just dust in the ground now?
one example I wanted to mention was, um, you know, like human migrations always happen, like you said. Mm -hmm. You know, people look for better opportunities elsewhere or they try to take their skills elsewhere. And what person doesn't want a better life? And sometimes there's certain parts of the world with more resources or better conditions in terms of the environment, um, which make things easier. Uh, so human migration has always happened, particularly if, if people believe in like, you know, we originated in Africa and we all kind of moved out from there and dispersed and we've created our own tribes and people. Um, but it's like a great one would be um, the term expat, mm. you know, like <laughs> historically it's like anyone that moves to another place for economic benefit or to seek better economic opportunities was considered like an economic migrant, you know or an economic refugee but if you're from a very advanced economy or a developed society and you go abroad for work opportunities as as many do you know you're an expat you're an expatriate right it's not you're not you're not a migrant you're not you're not an economic refugee you're an expat but it's again like this whole repackaging and repurposing of things but if you're a mexican you know crossing the u.s border and you're like, look, I, I'm, I just, I, 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 I'm happy to clean gardens and, and you know, work in the, in the services sector and, and do probably some sort of manual job that no one else wants to do. You're considered a threat to society, and you're taking jobs, and you're, and you know, you're going to create, you're an undesirable because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of destabilizing whatever it is. But it's like that's that's pretty um, hilarious when you think about it. You're like. I don't think people again see the hypocrisy. It's like, particularly people that come from positions of power or like um, where they have the ability to rewrite the narrative. And this is again the point. It's like these these things have always existed. When uh, you know wars have happened and people have moved around, you know famines have happened, graffiti, um, you know, graffiti wh whatever it is. And, and again, another example would be tattoos. Once upon a time, tattoos were seen as being you know, very tribal and particularly people from like Polynesia or other Pacific areas of the world, you know, they would have it or they were associated with, um, you know, Bedouins or whoever and, and they would use it to identify their tribes and, and like their yeah. positions and status in society. And now, and, and again, just going back, if you had a tattoo 10, 20 years ago and you were going for a job, people would be like, you're unprofessional, they'll associate you with a gang, They'll be like, this person is obviously um, unhinged or violent or aggressive. There's a lot of projections that happen. But now because, again, for whatever reason, it's been repackaged and repurposed, now it's about showing your individualism. It's about expressing yourself, you know. And, and so many people now have a, have a tattoo that's more common to have a tattoo than, than, than not have a tattoo. Yet I find it so hilarious because there's, it's the very same people that at one point made it a point to shun people that did have tattoos or associated it with a particular subculture or group of people. And a lot of the characteristics were considered undesirable or the associations. But now it's like hip and trendy. And you know, if you if you work at a hip restaurant or cafe in some area like Newtown, it's expected that you should have a tattoo, you know, and, and these tattoos should be quite like, um, I guess, what's the term? provocative or, 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 or kind of like very out there to show that you're not like everyone else. But if anything, you are like everyone else because everyone else has tattoos now. There's nothing individualistic or... But anyway, it's just funny how like things can change and how people constantly rewrite the, um, the rules 
particular, particularly in certain societies. I just, I'm like, I'm finding it very hard to kind of keep track and like not point out the hypocrisy and, and like double standards that exist. And finally, another one would be recently, you know, an earthquake has devastated the, I think, is it southeast or southwest part of Turkey and, and north, northwest Syria? Um, and like 50,000 people have died. I guess a lot of people have died and the destruction is quite vast but the sad reality is like you could have a terrorist attack that kills 10 people and it could be in like somewhere like the US the UK or some part of Europe and like all these countries will light up their buildings and monuments to show solidarity and compassion and you know it's just indicated like you know we're thinking of you but <laughs> when 50,000 Turks or Syrians and it's not funny when 50,000 Turks or Syrians die and I'm turning around looking at the opera house and I see the, I see the rainbow flag, which is fine. But I was like, could you not at least light up, you know, briefly, even for a couple of hours, a day or two to show solidari- solidarity with the Turks or, or Syrians? But you don't, mm. right? But 10 people die. And I'm not saying it's, it's bad either way. 10 people die in a terrorist attack and all of a sudden, you know, or, 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 or like an old building like the, um, is it Notre Dame? That was that was burnt. Obviously, it wasn't arson. It just happened to some electrical fault, but it, it it basically is destroyed. And then all these countries are lighting up their monuments to show solidarity, and they've raised almost a billion dollars within days to repair it. But like again, fifty thousand Turk, Turkish people and Syrians die in an earthquake, and no one really like like no like no these countries aren't really showing the same level of concern or or compassion and i was like man there's a serious problem in society and if people want to pretend like again like we're woke and we're with where we're where we don't discriminate and you know we, we we treat people equally but you don't and i guess maybe because it isn't popular um, and people might use the argument, which I really hate. They're like, "Yeah, but it's because, it, like, you know, it's not we're not from the same part of the world, and there isn't that same level of like, you know, commonality." I was like, "What do you mean? What commonality? Like, generally speaking, um, LGBTQI community make up about two percent of the popula- of any population. That's not me. That's that's just what what I've read, and that's the science behind it. Generally, in any population, two percent. But you've got." I think there's a hundred million Turks, maybe plus. You've got millions of Syrians, and this is the, these are issues that are impacting the world at large. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, like, so you're saying you have more in common with someone who, if you're a cisgender heterosexual male, you're saying you have more in common with someone that is is uh, I guess of a different sexuality, but a human being across the world who has a similar life like you in the sense that they have the same you know desires and dreams and and goals to be you know. To, to find some fulfilling career and to, to find a, uh, a partner that loves it. Like you're saying, you can't draw any associations or commonalities with them. Yeah, you've made a few good points. I just wanted to kind of run through my own thoughts on that, which is, you know, we're talking about an earthquake. It's a natural disaster, um, not caused by anybody. Um, and the infrastructure in these countries just isn't there like you're not they don't have enough resources to build um you know homes or buildings that can withstand a 7.8 um you know magnitude earthquake they just don't a lot of syrians in the northern part of syria that were affected 
were already refugees or um, you know um, had already fled their original homes in Syria because of the rebel-held groups in Syria from 2011. So these are people who have already been displaced once in their life and have had to basically go through that same pain again. And I saw this interesting um, excerpt from some people who've commented on um, Twitter recently on this, which is there's this expectation that people in the Middle East just get on with their lives because they're so used to living with trauma and pain that the suffering of a person from that region is not really as important as the suffering of a poor Ukrainian kid who's been affected by the war. Um, in fact, you know, the Red Cross and UNICEF, etc., still at the forefront of ev every advertisement that pops up on social media talk about Ukraine. And there has been very little about Turkey and Syria and the impoverished people who already live in these societies, in these areas. And people who are now being either um, orphaned because their parents have died um, people who, you know, are already poor and don't have, you know, the money to rebuild and people who are living in the cold and, you know, they're basically being pushed out into these harsh, adverse winter conditions. And they, don't, they don't have anywhere to go. And I think another thing that I wanted to raise is that it just goes to show how incredibly fortunate the West is to live you know, in the conditions that they do. If your biggest issue is having recognition as an LGBTIQA plus person, then that's a pretty, in the grand scheme of things, that's a pretty fortunate issue to have. There are people in other countries around the world who are fighting for the right to education. You know, they're fighting for the right to go to school. They're fighting for the right to housing. They're fighting for the right to not be in the cold. You know, these are things that they're fighting for every single day. In Palestine, they're fighting for the right to not be displaced from their homes by some Israeli person who basically wants to come in from fucking Europe or something like that because they want, sorry, they want to live there. You know, these are the issues that people are facing. And in this country, among other Western countries, you know, the biggest threat is if someone's going to get the, the pronouns right. And for me, it's like, I'm not trying to shame somebody and i'm not trying to diminish somebody's feelings of course not you know these are things that we should all be you know focusing on the I real issues but if that's your biggest concern then that's a pretty good concern to have in comparison to someone who's cold hungry and doesn't have a house to wake up in the next day and you know it's it's like okay let's light up the bridge great these are children who have been orphaned people who have been squashed and it's like, yeah, no, we don't care about that. But, you know, we need to get the they, them right because they might get offended. Yeah. It's not that they might get offended. Like, again, like, I think we have a level of respect in saying, you know, obviously people have issues in society and their differences. But it's like, if you want to show concern for one group of people, then, or, or if you have a concern for a particular initiative, then you have to, you ha it has to extend equally. And to be selective about it, say, well, we can't do all, well, well you, that's, that, that, no, that's not true. You can, you can show a level of humanity and understanding to a lot of different um, topics and issues. No, it's not even that. It's um, 
it, it is a privilege. I know what you're saying. Like, I get where you're coming from. It's not to say to it's a privilege because to to, on the one hand, you're talking about survival and like literally trying to live and survive, and on the other hand, you're talking about like, okay, you might be facing challenges because people aren't necessarily um, recognizing you and your differences. That's that's. I mean, that is that is somewhat. Which should be recognized. Which should be yeah. We should like every, like. People should be respected in, in general, but it's like you can see the level of hypocrisy in society where like one issue matters more than the other, and the question is why. And people want to say, well, you know, it's more relevant to our situation. Well, not necessarily. There's no real common context between a person in Ukraine and Australia, and a person in, in Turkey, and like versus a person in Turkey and Australia. Like, if the context is humanity, and these are people, and they they have like lives like us everyone has lives like us what, do you, what, what, what does that even mean um but you know there is a level there is a level of, of double standards um you know ukraine 100 billion dollars has gone to um weapons and armaments and all of that and the reality is i can guarantee barely enough money will be you know um raised to help the turks and, and syrians rebuild their rebuild their properties um, but that's that's I think that we, you know it's about an hour and a half, guys. Um, again, just to clarify, like we we don't at least I'm speaking about on myself. I don't think the person's not trying to say. You know, we we believe certain issues are more important than others, or we're trying to downplay or minimize other people's grievances or issues in life. We're just saying like there has to be a level of consistency, and people have to be really honest rather than playing the game, like these word games. And, and again, um, you know, virtue signaling, because now this is trending, so then we jump on this bandwagon, but now this isn't trending, so we jump on another bandwagon. It's like, I, I don't know if people realize, but a lot of, a lot of people out there are quite like sheep, and they're just being herded around, and like their interest in, in issues are quite superficial. Um, and again, like we said, like a lot of the people that were, that are now like pushing a particular agenda were the ones who are actually causing a lot of harm in society and making these disparaging remarks, and you know even beating up people who weren't of the same same sexual orientation. And they were, and they're probably your fathers, your grandfathers. You know, they could have been even you know like your grandparents or, or, or your parents that that were really, you know, hurting a lot of other people that were different. And so don't forget that the people that are in power today are the same people that were enacting these laws, right? Um, and, and, and basically punishing a lot of people for being different. So the people that have just changed these rules haven't necessarily changed themselves, but they're just trying to, you know, trying to do what they think will give them the most, um, I guess, votes or the most allow them to be popular in society and kind of maintain their positions of power. Yes, I think we're going to wrap up, but um, I just a point that I want to make on that was you're 100% right. Even if we look at the British royal family, you know, they all had connections to the Nazi Jews, uh, sorry, the Nazi, sorry, I read, sorry, the Nazi Germans, and they were, you know, persecuting Jews and killing, you know, millions of Jewish people and a hundred percent it's disgusting it's wrong and you know what happened to the jews is inexcusable and that pain and that suffering is real and you know we as palestinian people 
who are going through the same thing now from, you know, we, by, you know, Israelis who have occupied Palestine, 100% understand the pain and suffering and, you know, the generational trauma that you experience as a result of Holocaust. So, of course, you know, we stand with, you know, the Jews who've gone through that and have experienced that. But to have this family in power now who, you know, actually still own God knows how many different Commonwealth sovereigns around the world, you know, they're the ones literally who are connected to Nazi Germany. And that's literally what they're founded on. And you know, they're the ones running the world and now they're coming out going, oh, you know, we love everyone, we respect them. No, you don't. Like, why don't you give back the jewels that you own India? Sorry, that you owe India. What, why don't you give back half of the stuff from around the world that you stole? Why don't you give people independence that they deserve? No, you only want to, you know, give them, you, know, you only want to provide lip service, but you don't actually want to give people the recognition and rights that they deserve. And it's disgusting. But I think fundamentally... What I've taken out of this podcast is that, you know, people are people. It doesn't matter where you sit. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It doesn't matter what orientation you have. You know, everyone deserves the right to live as a person with dignity and with respect. And it's not uh, pleasant to be on the other side of that, you know, where we're sitting and experiencing um, discrimination in some sorts. You know, because we're willing to repackage things and, you know, rebrand things and market things in a way where we're giving, you know, more people more rights and more recognition and more love and more care and more affection. While on the other hand, you're basically degrading and diminishing the rights and values of others. It's just, I think it's a disgusting sentiment, to be honest. And I think we as a society need to recognize that every single person deserves the same level of respect care and love as we're willing to show ourselves and others so that's my take from that um this has been two twins a wife and a mic um um, um it, this has been sam and eli and Manny, and we're tuning out adios